0: Welcome to the Leadership Secrets Podcast, where we bring you no BS, practical advice from the experts that are doing it. Now, here's your host, Lee Lisenby. Welcome
1: to the Leadership Secrets Podcast. This is your host, Lee Lisenby. Uh Today's a great day here in Texas. Uh, I actually got some rain today. It's been a, kind of been a drought, so. Uh, That'd be a little bit better of a mood than most days because uh, I haven't seen rain in quite some time. The heat wave has been killing us. Uh, so this is our No BS podcast. Uh, we, we bring leaders on here that have done it before, leaders who are doing it, uh, really professional leaders out there in the industry. Today I'm super excited. I got a, a hero of mine, a uh, person who wrote a book, probably my favorite business book I've ever read. Uh, the four disciplines of execution. I've read this book. I have only a few hard copies of books. Most of my books are digital versions. Uh, I think these are only two hard copy of leadership books I have: ship and the Four DX. Uh, but our guest today is Jim Hewling. Jim, how you doing, man?
0: Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for having me on today.
1: And honor's all mine. I really do appreciate it. Uh, i feel like i'm interviewing my hero here just uh so excited to get you on and i know you got so much to share with our listeners happy to just i want to sit back and let you do a lot of talking but first your intro uh jim as i mentioned has written the number one uh best-selling book the four disciplines of execution co-author on that book but he's also served as ceo of multiple companies uh one fortune 500 company or worked in a fortune 500 company but also uh, a company he served as ceo that was voted the best place to work four four times i believe as a ceo so not only has jim done it but jim has done it very very well and at a high level and uh i guess his, his most proud accomplishment is his wife of 40 years donna sweetheart donna so we want to mention that uh, we love family here, we love culture, and we just love all that, those pieces about life, and that's what makes us all uh, unique in our own ways. And also, something I want to get talking about, Jim, is uh, he's a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo, so someone you might not want to mess with. <laughs> so, Jim, uh, I kind of gave you a little intro there. Uh, I know I probably didn't do it justice, but uh, maybe just give us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Sure, background yeah. what you're currently doing maybe some passions of yours
0: cool, awesome to talk about. so first of all thanks for having me on I, you know i really like you and i like this podcast i get a lot of requests and i'm not you know i try to say yes as much as i can i can't always do it but i was really quick to say yes to you lee because you were talking about uh, one a lot of the people who listen to you maybe all but the vast majority of the people who listen to you are uh, are people who've actually done things rather than who talk about doing things. <laughs> and the older I get, the more I appreciate that distinction. You know, I mean, especially nowadays, there's a lot of people in the on the internet world who have good things to say. I'm not trying to be cynical about it. Uh, they may be smart and have great ideas, but there's a difference. You can hear the difference, can't you? When a person is talking about something they've actually done, versus talking about something that they simply understand it's it's too different you sort of hear depth in their conversation can't you and uh, so that's one of the reasons i like you and i like this podcast and i was really honored to be uh, your guest today
1: i can't thank you enough for being on uh you know i've i think I've, after i read your book uh well multiple times i implemented the 4dx at my previous company and i just fell in love with the really the whole book i mean everything about it. And I saw it work very, very well at that company. But in doing so, I got to read through it multiple, multiple times. I mean, it's over and over and over. I'm trying to get it down. And then uh, I think I followed you on LinkedIn. because I saw, hey, this is the, the author of the 4DX book. I, I was surprised you even accepted my my like on LinkedIn. Was like, oh, now I'm friends with uh, Jim sure. but
0: then when it's You are. One, one step below ben. Bon Jovi. It's, uh, it's not quite Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But then you responded to my uh, message for being on this podcast, and uh, yeah. I, I, I ran to my wife, like, you never, you will never believe this. And I have this book in my hand, like, this guy agreed to be on our podcast. <laughs> it, was, it was a great okay. day here in the Lisney okay. household. So. Yeah,
0: you're. Uh, I, w- I want all my friends to hear you say those things, because I don't think they hold me in the same high regard that you do. So I'll say, hey, look, here, here's my new friend. Look at how he talks about me, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, by the way, for our listeners out there, we agreed before the recording that we're, we are now friends, brand yeah, new friends, but we're friends. So that's great. One of, the, one of the privileges of having a podcast, I guess. Yes, sir. So I know your hobbies. I've uh, seen you filming your posts on LinkedIn. You're now in CrossFit. I've seen you deadlift what seemed like 500 pounds on oh, one, one clip. or something. 400, yeah. But, it
0: was uh, 400? Yeah, I, and Lee, this is a little bit of a funny story, We and we'll get right to business for those of you that are listening in, but the um, uh, I'm I'm now in CrossFit, I've always done one thing or another, physically, most all of my life, you know, but I, yeah. I've been in CrossFit nine years, and I just love it, and, and Lee, I hate to tell you this, I won't do it on your podcast, but I'm one of those obnoxious CrossFit people, like let's talk about cross, you know? but uh, it, it really transformed my life, you know, and here I am for anybody who's watching this podcast, no know, I'm 68 years old this year, and, uh, and, but thanks to the training and the things I've learned, I'm actually stronger today than I was in high school, and my current uh, pursuit is a 400-pound deadlift, which I'll, I'll hit this year, you saw a video of me at 385 last week, and, yeah. uh, and I've got four months left to hit that goal, and I plan to do it, so, I'm a big fan of CrossFit. I know there's a lot of ways to exercise, and not every not one way is right for everybody. I certainly understand that. No need to email me if you don't like CrossFit, <laughs> but I really do, and it's made a huge difference in my life.
1: Yeah, sixty eight and you're stronger now than you were in high school. Like I- oh
0: my could bench press more than I could in high school.
1: That's that's isn't yeah. that funny. Yeah, so, that's, that's, that's
0: amazing, hey, actually. Lee do you mind, what what a beautiful segue we talk about that? let's let's segue over to. Two things you and I are both passionate about: um, execution and leadership. How about if we yeah. if we migrate over there for the folks that are hearing us? And uh, and do you mind if I just get, open up with a, a thought or two, and then please uh, join in because you you know 4DX, you probably know it as well as I do. You know, yeah. chime in here and, and lend your voice to this. Um, but I, I tell you one thing I'll start with, especially in a No BS podcast. What a tagline. That's awesome. Um, um, you know, there, there's a, I find that there are millions and millions of leaders in the world, but particularly in the United States, who want to talk about strategy all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and they get kind of, tell me if you've had this experience, lately, but they get caught up in strategy, you know? Strategy is mm-hmm. like this dream. They're talking about the dream, and we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and here's why we do that, and... And I'm not saying it's not valuable because if you don't have a strategy, you don't really know where you're going. I, I'm a fan of strategy, but what I'm not a fan of is strategy without execution. Because you know, Strategy without execution, just it's just like a, a hallucination, isn't it really? I mean, it, it doesn't really mean very much, but the tragedy is we put 90% of our energy into strategy and we give only 10% of whatever's left to how we could become world-class at execution. So I think this is one of the things that, that you know, Chris McChesney and I, we started with this book, we were really very passionate about, about saying strategy's great, strategy alone is not really very valuable. You need yeah. execution to make the strategy worth having been developed. And then we got really pragmatic about it. We did not want to write, in fact, I hope you'll find this to be a funny story. One of the original ideas was to call this the four principles of execution. And we're all sitting around one day saying, you know, principles, principles of execution. It doesn't sound like a book any of us would pick up and buy because it sounds like a book full of ideas with no advice at all on how to go do them. You know, and so Chris or one of the other people came up with this idea. Well, why don't we call them disciplines, man. They're disciplines, you know, and, and we all thought, ah, oh, that's perfect. That's the perfect name because they they're really simple. In fact, tell me if you agree with this. Each of those four disciplines is not very intellectual. They're yeah. really simple things, I and mean, oh. I will talk about them today if you like. Um, they're just hard to do. <laughs> yeah. So that's where the the discipline is not in the understanding. The discipline's in the doing of them. But because they're simple, I think that's why you find this book today the best-selling book in the history of the world on the subject of goal setting and execution, and now in 16 languages all over the world, um, I think it's because it's simple. You know, you can, or tell me if you agree, please, but you you can pick it up, you can read it, you can understand it, you can implement it with your team, you can certainly get world-class help from Franklin Covey on implementing as well, Um, but it makes those concepts accessible, which is what the more intellectual books don't seem to do, you know, they seem to all want to talk about strategy, but I, you, would you, would you respond to that? How do you feel? Cause you're no, a real person and you really did it.
1: Totally agree. And, you know, I think oftentimes in my, I guess call it my career, I won't name the, the part of my career, but oftentimes uh, I get stuck in these meeting rooms and it's a lot of talk a lot of talk and we talk about the same things from the last meeting from the last week the last month we look at spreadsheets we look at reports we look at kpis and mm-hmm. and then i'm sitting there thinking guys i mean yeah. this is all great but what are we doing about it it's, it's a yeah. bunch of input and very little output
0: look, ex- that's really powerful the way you said that and and that's really so true and and the beautiful thing for Chris and I, and really everybody who was involved in the creation of this book, um, I think we were tired of it too. You know, we just didn't want to write another book full of ideas that just went on the shelf, had a nice cover, you know, sold some copies or whatever, but in the end didn't help anybody. We we turned that around. We wanted to to write a book that would help people. And Lee, there's one small story if you don't mind me telling it quickly. Um, but I'll, I'll preface it by saying I've been on a lot of podcasts and I've never told this story. I, this is the first time I've ever felt that was right to tell this story. But when Chris and I sat down to write this book, we realized quickly that we needed to be clear about who we were writing to. Yeah. You know, are we writing to a CEO? Are we writing to a VP of ops? Are we writing to a to a or, to a frontline leader? Who who is this book for? And mm-hmm. so we we literally crafted a description of the person we were writing to. We called him Joe. And, and we yep. figured Joe was a middle manager in a mid-sized construction company or, or a manufacturing company in the Midwest. And, and Joe yep. was about 41 years old. And Joe had all the issues every single day of getting a group of people uh, passionate to engage and work hard and strive for excellence in the in the work that otherwise might seem to be pretty day to day. You know, uh, and, and it was something about the clarity of that, that all along the way it took 18 months to write the book all along the way. Chris and I would say, now wait a minute, what would Joe say about what we're and and sometimes we imagine Joe would say, hey guys, come down out of the clouds, talk talk to us real people down here who are trying to execute, you know. <laughs> or or would say, You you're making that sound more complicated than it is. Can you Joe would say to us, Can you say that a little more simply? You know? So there is no <laughs> Joe, except there are Joes, you know, they're the equivalent Joe's. <laughs> you're an example that, that really we accomplished that mission. We wrote a book for people who actually execute, not people who talk about or think about or oversee in execution, but for people who really do it. Do you, do you think we, we accomplished that mission? Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, I, I am your avatar that you created, Joe. Like That's who I am. So yeah, that's probably why I love it so much. You wrote it, Wrote it for me, Jim. I appreciate
0: that. Just for you, (laughs) and it'd be great if it was. Do Do you think your listeners would appreciate if we were really quick about saying what the four disciplines are? I'm I'm a little bit mindful. Somebody driving their car, listening to you and me. You know, uh, they may be saying, "Okay, guys, you got me interested, but you know, what the heck are these four disciplines? Is that all right? We just cover them one, two, three, four. Yeah, absolutely. Be quick, because you know you can spend a long time just talking about what they are, but I think we have other topics we want get, to get to today. But but if we just say it real simply, there are there first of all, there are only four of them. And um, each one of them represents a very precise, disciplined implementation that when you put them together, creates extraordinary results. So if I, if I tell everybody what the four are, I want to start by saying, don't think of them as a menu that you choose individual ones. You know, don't don't come away from this conversation and say, hey, you know, I really like discipline two and four. I think I'm going to do those two because you're not going to get the same results. The The four things go together and they compound each other. So that's an important thing to know as we start. So So discipline one is the discipline of focus. And it's based on the simplest idea in the world. And I bet you know this idea already, though you you should have written your book, you would have this in there. If everything is priority one, the truth is nothing's priority one. Now that's a real truth. You ask any manager on a on a factory floor or any construction boss, anybody that has to lead a team of frontline people who are doing real work, would tell you that if you make everything priority one, you might as well say nothing's priority. Right. So the beauty of discipline one is it requires us to focus. And, and what we mean by focus is we simply have to decide what outcome matters more than any other outcome. Yeah. Now, matters more can be defined by a company. You know, Sometimes matters more means to our bottom line, or sometimes matters more means to our growth, or sometimes matters more means to our shareholders or whatever. I, Everybody's got to make that decision. But the key is, it doesn't matter what you choose. It only matters that you choose. You have to have the rigorous discipline to say, this is the number one thing for this period of time in this organization. And uh, Lee, I'm I'm, I'm going to watch your face as I say this, because I know what I'm about to see, uh, that anybody who thinks that's easy has never done it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're driving your car and you're thinking, well, OK, that's not very impressive. I could do that. That's a pretty good sign. You've never had to say this one goal matters more than all the other goals, right?
1: And that's that's, that's where we failed when we implemented this the first time in my last company was that because we would call them wildly important goals, and uh, the everybody wanted like you most only have like two at most, maybe like something like that, and everybody wanted like ten of them. It started out with one or two, and then over time, like these are my wigs. Yes. Be like eight to ten. I'm like, guys, you can't have more than like two. That's all you're allowed. <laughs> and they just, it had the hardest time with that.
0: You know the you know the phone call I dread the most, and I've gotten a lot of them, is after a, a a leader will implement the four disciplines, and they've had some success. They get really excited about it, and they'll call me up and they'll say, Hey Jim, we do, we love 40x. 40x is working great, and I got great news. Next year we're going to make everything a wig. <laughs> oh no you're not going to have the same experience so discipline one really simply said is you have to have the courage and the insight to say everything matters but this outcome matters more at this time you can say that and you can measure your success you know we like that phrase x to y by when So X is where you are today, Y is where you want to end up, and by when is the day you have to get there. If you put those together, you've got discipline one, uh, and remember that it's simple to understand. It's just hard to do. Discipline two, I really hope you'll chime in on this, Lee, because I'm interested to see it through your eyes. Discipline two is the really radical part of the four disciplines. It's a thing very few leaders have ever really done. So if you're listening to me and Lee today, we're just going to say it in a real simple way. Um, discipline 2 is identifying the one or two actions or behaviors that are the true drivers of achieving that goal now this answer might be different for every team you know the if you have a let's say you have a goal of uh, of profitability in a particular segment of a company well the marketing team's behaviors to drive that goal are going to be different than uh, the manufacturing teams or the product design teams behaviors to drive that goal. But the idea holds true that for every team, you decide what are the things you can do that have the greatest impact on achieving the goal. We we call this the discipline of leverage because you're finding the few things that deliver the biggest result. Now, now here again, anybody driving your car or eating a sandwich, uh, that's not hard either, is it? <laughs> but you know what is hard? If you go to a leader, let's say you go to a leader of a sales team and you say, well, hey, what are the behaviors that drive sales? Every leader in the world can can give you 40 behaviors that drive sales. I mean, they're just, you know, I, and that applies to any discipline at all. In my experience of, yeah, let, here, take a seat. Let me give you an hour. I'll tell you all the behaviors that drive sales. That's great. But then if you say, well, which two drive sales more than all the others. And then there's this silence that falls across the room. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and if you don't mind, I'll, I'll have a moment of true confession here. You know, I've been a leader a long time and I've been a leader at the highest level and a leader in different industries and companies and, and all around the country. I don't think I ever understood this, that it's not enough to set a goal and then say, okay, everybody do all the things you need to do to make that goal happen. That's actually a pretty meaningless leadership activity but what's strong is when you say and here are the two things we're going to concentrate on because we know the more of those we do the greater the results will be so so for that example of a sales team you know it might be that face-to-face meetings with customers is the behavior that drives more sales so there's 30 other things you got to do to have to be a salesperson of course but the thing you put your bet on, like chips in a, in a roulette wheel in Vegas, <laughs> is you say, I bet if we double the number of face-to-face meetings, we'll end up with more sales. we still got to do other things. It's not the only thing we're going to do. But we put our bet on the behaviors that we believe or the actions we believe will yield the greatest return. That's why we call it the discipline of leverage. Mm-hmm. Do a little in order to get back a lot. So that's discipline, two. So one is focus. Two is about leverage. Three is about engagement. Now, engagement is a tricky thing, you know, because, um, um, and now I'm older than you, Lee, and anybody watching this podcast already sees that I'm older than you, but I think we both grew up in a time when people would say to us, uh, you know, that's why we call it work. It's not supposed to be fun. And in <laughs> my day, it would have been fun. It's not supposed to be fun, son. Right. That's why we call that work. <laughs> right. And I bet they can really say that in Texas too, can't <laughs> they? Just right. I've had a lot
1: here in Texas for sure.
0: And when somebody says that, you have no doubt what they're saying, do you? I mean, it's pretty clear. You know. <laughs> right. not- well, it turns out though that if that's all you got, you're never going to see a team of people rise to their highest level. I mean, first of all, who who can do something all the time for a long time? And do it at the highest level when there's literally no joy in it who can do that i can't could can you
1: no
0: i can't do it i gotta have some fun along the way so mm. the thing we discovered was that if you set it up in the right way you can make the achievement of the goal feel like a game in other words you can you can literally and if anybody who's skeptical listening to this i totally get it you should be skeptical. Call Lee, let him tell you his story. Well, don't call him all at once because he has a real job. But but you get the idea of it, that you you really can set up a scoreboard and a competition and a tracking of results in a way that kind of gets people energized about winning. Mm -hmm. And it's that spirit of winning that we found in Discipline 3. Now, Discipline 3 is the discipline of engagement. So that's about how do you get people to not just... Show up and do the job and go home. But how do you get them to really want to achieve this goal? The same way you would want them to try to win if they were playing for the state championship or something. So that's discipline three. And then the last one of all, discipline four, which is the big one, the discipline of accountability. So discipline four is about having a regular cadence of accountability. And what that means is every team has their own meeting every week. And in that meeting, everybody on the team becomes accountable to each other for whether they did their part last week. So, in other words, everybody on the team. Like, let's say you and I were a team, and I would say, "Hey, you know, this week um, I'm going to get with the people in IT, and we're going to try to solve that problem we're having with the system, so we can stop having all these breakdowns." And that's my commitment. I'm going to go reach out to IT, I'm going to spend time with them, show them the problem, see if I can get that fixed. You might say. Well, um, uh, if I'm Lee, I'd say, well, I just hired two new guys, and I'm going to get them both trained. It'll take a little extra effort. I'm going to have to make time for it this week, but but that's probably the most important thing I can do because the faster they're trained, the faster they help us achieve our goal. Right. So you and I would both say that out loud. But here's the interesting part: we come back a week later and we have to say out loud whether we did it or we didn't. And Lee, I don't. You probably are such a high performer. You have no no experience for this. But if you've ever been in a meeting where you made a public commitment, and one week later you have to say, "Man, I didn't get it done." <laughs> <laughs> the first time you have that moment, you 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 make a big decision in your career. You say, "I am never going to be in this spot again." This <laughs> is right. it's, it's a terrible moment. But what's healthy about that is over time, a team learns. That if you say you're going to do it, you got to do it. And if you say you're going to do it and then you don't do it, you let the whole team down. Because you didn't just commit to your boss. You committed to all of us that you were going to do your part. And we committed to you that we were going to do our part. You know, And that's how we get great together. And anybody who doesn't do that, usually only because they were busy, (laughs) starts to feel like they let everybody down. And I don't mean that, that we make them feel ashamed or anything like that. Not, we don't use any technique like that. We just let the accountability sort of hang in the air for a minute. And most people will say, won't happen again next week. Sorry, guys, won't happen again. Well, the minute that happens, a whole team just went to another level. Because now they're starting to learn they can trust each other. where They'll do what they say they'll do. And, and people who learn they can trust each other, leave. and I really want to stop and let you chime in here now. But as soon as you start learning, you can trust the people you work with. It's not very long before you start respecting the people you work with. Right. And that's how a team transforms uh, most of the time into being world class uh, and feeling like they're winners. You know, this. my mother used to say, put your shoulders back. You know, it's uh, uh, they feel like that. They walk a little different. They have kind of a swagger. Uh, so that's the four disciplines all taken together with just a little of my commentary on uh, what makes them interesting how, how about you my friend now you've done them so you're an expert what, what, well, does that match your uh, your experience
1: for first that was an excellent overview of the book i wish i'd had that in the very beginning kind of okay. understand the the pieces a little bit differently uh but there's so many questions i have i mean i as you're going through this i'm thinking of different things about it but you know I, I don't want to. I know you got a hard stop to top of the hour, so I, I could talk about this for hours myself. But you know that, that scoreboard piece. I found. I think I'll mention this in the book. We've made some here and there, and people hate the color red. If they have a red dot by their name or red X by their that's name. Right. <laughs> that's, that. Within itself, is uh, pretty powerful. Is. And, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be red. That's so good. And great. then we had a. I said a turtle walk by my window.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's a sign. That's that's an omen. uh, You know, know people love to talk about how complicated human beings are. And we are complex creatures. I I get that. But but the funny thing you're talking about is, in Discipline 3, everybody who's listening, we do this radical thing. We let a team build their own scoreboard. So that they figure out what they want it to look like. If they want to have a team name they put it up there you know they design how they want the tracking to be but we have everybody use the color green to always mean on target and the color red to always mean below target and lee i'm right with you i i have seen people that would sort of figuratively crawl over broken glass to get that red off that scoreboard they hate that color And, and then you step back as a leader and you're like well I've been trying to get them to do this for months, you know, you mean just cause it's red, everybody's all excited now. And then we would just say, well, it's part of it. It's part of the formula of what gets people to perform is that clear, visible accountability that comes with the color of green or the color red.
1: <laughs> yeah. it is powerful. Yeah. I may, uh, if you're okay with it. I, I mean, I could talk about 4DX again for a couple hours, but since I only had 20 minutes left with you, uh, maybe jump into some, uh, you know, some leadership, uh maybe more strategy.
0: <laughs> hey, that's right. Yeah, let's do, it, man. Because you know the, um, I'll tell you, I've been, a, I've been alive longer than you, <laughs> and so I think I can say with a little bit of my elder credentials that I have never seen a time in my life when I felt leadership was more needed, leadership in every sense. You know operational leadership in a company, um, but uh, moral leadership and philosophical leadership and innovative leadership. we 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 really are needing leaders and leadership to go to another level because the magnitude yeah. of our challenges today seem to be at another level. Uh, you know and um, and so I, I really love talking about that a little bit. And you know one thing that you said to me in our we were getting to know each other before the podcast, we were talking about frontline leaders. Mm -hmm. And and I'm just going to say it for the record. Anybody who wants to quote me is welcome to quote me because I believe this with all my heart. The most underappreciated people in the world are frontline leaders. And yet everybody who's been in business more than seven minutes knows that it's the frontline that produces the bottom line. Right. It's not all those layers between the frontline and the CEO that produce the bottom line. In fact, I have said to many audiences of senior leaders, and and, and I'm not being cynical about senior leaders, they're valuable too. I'm just talking about the subject. I've said to them, gosh, Lee, imagine this for a minute, you know, 200 senior leaders in a room. And I say, if anybody doubts that the front line produces the bottom line, I challenge you to send them all home next week and tell me what the production results were. (laughs) Man. You know, everybody in the room is trying to decide who hired me to speak that day because that's not popular to say things like that. And and nobody, don't misunderstand me now or misquote me. I'm not saying senior leaders aren't valuable. They're crucial. But I'm saying we forget that frontline leadership, that's where the action is. That's where Mm -hmm. the mud and the grit and the dirt of production is. And so Mm -hmm. we tend to undervalue frontline leadership. And frankly, in my opinion, I've been a CEO for a long time. We tend to overvalue executive leadership, in my opinion. Uh, so uh, let's do a shout out, you and me, to frontline leaders, you know, the people that are closer to the action, uh, because they're the ones that are really paying a pricing and doing a very hard job. And uh, so we talk about that. That's one of the things I'm the proudest of at 40X. Because remember, 40X was written for Joe.
1: Yeah.
0: Nice. 40X wasn't written for Elon Musk, although I hope he loves the book and he's welcome to buy six million copies tomorrow if he wants to. <laughs> I mean, I like Elon Musk. I hold him in high regard as an innovator, but it wasn't written for them. It was really written for the person at that front line who's getting things done. And then if you've seen the second edition, we added a piece, which was the equivalent of that for senior leaders. So we've now addressed both parts of a leadership team, the frontline leaders and the, and, and the uh, senior leaders. It takes both to get stuff done. But uh, but that's one of the things I love about 40X. It makes it a practical book rather than as we said before, a theoretical
1: one. Yeah, one thing you were talking about a minute ago about, you know, work being work, the kind of old school mentality. Uh, some things I've been seeing lately, I want to get your take on it, is that there's this uh got a leaf blower now. <laughs> I went to, there's this uh, kind of like leadership approach where it's uh, it worked well 20, 30 years ago but leadership has changed and evolved so much in the last couple of years, even COVID has done a lot for that uh, changing how we lead people, a great resignation in 2021. Right. Uh, then you got, you know, the millennials and millennials come in the workforce. I feel like almost, I don't want to say daily, but almost every day, it seemed like our strategy, our philosophies, our approach is different than it was. What's your thoughts on, you know, the new, how it's
0: evolving? I appreciate you asking me that, and and I'm honored to answer the question. And I, I have a clear feeling, Lee, that your listeners would all would just as value just as much your perspective on this question. But I'm honored that you give me a second to try to respond. So can I say to everybody who's going to be listening to this podcast who follows you, you're you're the guy that's bringing this information. Uh, please don't get mad at me when I say this. <laughs> that that I think the Great Resignation is one of the best things that's ever happened to the American workforce. I'm, I'm not really qualified to talk about the international workforce, but I think it's one of the best things. And before you turn me off, let me, let me just say why I think that is. Because in my day, and you might say even a little bit in your daily, I don't know, um, leadership and work performance lacked a human element for a long time. Uh, I worked for a whole bunch of people who would say, hey, Jim, this is the job. <laughs> If you can't do the job, we'll find somebody who can do the job. But if you're not happy doing the job, there's eight other people in line outside the door. They'd love to have your job. I, I had those words said to me at 22 years old once, you know, and by and the way, I probably needed to hear them. I might have been a little full of myself that day. Um, but 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 you get the idea of it that we didn't really care. And, you know, there are a lot of people who whose bosses made them feel they couldn't take a sick day or they or the. They they've earned vacation days, but they shouldn't take them because they should be committed to the team or or they're paid for five days a week. But everybody here works six and a half. You know, the there were things that we we accepted as normal mm-hmm. that were really wrong.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And those things had to somehow come to a point of visibility. And COVID is what brought them to that point of visibility. So I'm not saying everything that everybody's done in the Great Resignation and everybody who has said goodbye to their job with no notice or whatever. I'm not saying that those are the right things. I don't think that they are. But I am saying that we are now more alert and more focused on creating environments and cultures and team uh, leadership that makes people want to come to work. Instead of assuming that they're going to come to work because they need a job, and all we really have to do is pay them and provide some benefits, instead of that being the oversimplified equation, we've added a piece now that says, "Does this work mean something? Is it does it is it make a difference in the world? Can you be proud of the work we're doing? Do you feel like you're part of this team? Do you feel like you're a valued member of the group? And and even are we investing in you to help you grow and develop? You know." All of that now is suddenly a requirement, right? And uh, and I think we needed, we should have been that way all along, in my opinion. And uh, maybe I was some that way, but I wasn't enough either. I've had my own evolution. I know more today than I did. And 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 Lee, if you don't mind, one last thought is, um, I also think you cannot have a conversation about this without talking about empathy. And I know empathy is a really popular word now in all the. All the leadership gurus on LinkedIn are putting posts out about empathy, including Jim had a post about empathy. But but I really think we need posts about empathy because we have a lot of catching up to do. We we as leaders implement things in the past without a moment's thought of what it would feel like if we were on the receiving end of that change. Right. Isn't that the truth? We've done it. We've done it all of our leadership lives. Right. It's good for the company. It ought to be good for everybody because they got a job. Well, that I'm sorry, but that logic is just too simplistic now. The world's more complex than that, and a lot of people have said it doesn't have to be all about me. That would be wrong too, but they are saying I need to matter. I need I, I, you need to tell me why we're doing something. Don't just tell me what to do. Help me understand why it's important. Maybe I'll do it in a in a better way if you do that. You know, we we need to work for people who who aren't substitute mommies and daddies for us we're not saying that we need but we want to work for people who care about us who 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 to whom it makes a difference if we're struggling or we need some help everybody wants to work for somebody like that well i'm being a little long-winded and i apologize but you, you got me on a topic that i feel is really urgent in the world today and yes. where we were is not right and where we are right now may not be perfect you know the pendulum never stops in the perfect middle it just swings back and forth but I really like the swing we've done now. I think we've humanized the business of leadership in a way that will probably never completely unravel. We'll it'll stay with us, and we'll we'll think more about the people who work for us as human beings than just business assets.
1: Well, I, I think that you hit on a good piece on that. And one thing, yeah, I haven't really thought about this until you said it. But we're really digging into our culture. I mean, company culture is because. You know, I had a CEO tell me the other day, it's like we can't just keep paying our guys more to stay. Like we're we're gonna price ourselves out of the market. I mean, keep paying and paying and paying and we're we're not gonna be competitive. So we, we gotta figure out the culture piece. Now someone who might have not even thought about culture, vision, purpose, engagement, empathy is now that's on the front that's on the front lines right now of what, how can we do this?
0: That's right. And, and a and few years ago, we would have taken all those topics you just said, and they would be in the wouldn't that be nice category. Exactly. And, yeah. and now they're in the we got to do this category. Right. So I think that's good. Don't you? And, Absolutely. and don't tell me if I'm out of bounds here now, but I can't help but just say one te- one second. That's one reason I'm so proud to have been associated for 15 years with the Franklin Covey Company. I think I think they've been preaching those Um, Values and ways of of thinking about people. Ever since Dr. Stephen Covey wrote the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, but now we need it. Now we need it more than we ever have, and now it's in the spotlight. Where look, you and me. Here we are talking about it on your podcast. You know, so that's how that's how it's become. It's a it's a front topic now, and I'm really glad about that. Uh, And and I hope the end result of all this is that we have a better world and a better workplace for everybody, me included, me and you included.
1: going for yeah really quick i'm gonna get a little personal i'm (laughs) curious uh i see great leaders like yourself who have done it at such a high level for so long you know what's what are some of your personal development habits maybe professional development habits do you have any
0: oh my gosh yeah in fact uh, uh if people who know me well heard you ask me this question they would say oh no Jim's going to go an hour on this, time, which, which I won't do. We don't have time for that, but I will, I will share with you a, a list of several things. I have three things um, that, that I think are really important. Yeah. Let me just try to say them simply. Um, and Lee, you know, you, you have to tell me, I have a little handout about my, my routines that keep me at my peak, which I would gladly give you. And then you could send that link to any of your listeners who wanted it. Yeah, I hope that's not inappropriate for me to offer that. It's totally free. and it's just a gift uh, that they might they might find into but what i'm saying is coming from that little mm-hmm. document that i have so many people have asked me that question over the years um, so so i think three things really matter the most number one is if you if you hadn't spent 10 minutes in your life saying why am i here what's what's my real purpose then it's time i don't i don't mm-hmm. care when you do it i don't care how you do it i don't care if you're a person who goes up on a mountaintop and meditates or you just you do what I do. I have a cup of coffee every morning looking at the lake outside my backyard, uh, you know, but they're both spiritual places. You got to think about why am I here? Am, yeah. am I here simply to trade my hours for some dollars and be done? I don't think so. I think I think we were we came here for to do a lot more than that. So number one is work to find some sense of purpose. Uh, yeah. Start small. Try to figure out what it is. Um, um I like the question. uh, of how do I want to be remembered? You know, if I just think about my life, someday I'm going to be gone. I'll be gone before you leave, but someday we're both going to be gone. (laughs) And so I think it's a powerful question when you're having that morning cup of coffee to say, how do I want to be remembered? That's a purpose type question. Or, you know, do I feel called to something? You know, do I feel called to be a leader? Look at you, for example. You, You already have a really important day job. But you somehow feel called to help teach other people powerful principles. And you're making a, I guarantee you're not a, a podcast millionaire yet, uh, but you're using your personal time to have a podcast, to invite people on, to spread the message. You know, you're you have part of your calling is to help other people understand some principles that will help them have better lives and be better leaders. So, so point number one, I think, please, everybody, you'll be so glad if you spend a minute thinking about your purpose. Um, And then second is to think about um, um, in the whole circle of your life, are you giving the best you have to the people and the things that matter most? Now, I got to be real careful with that, Lee, because I know a whole lot of people who say, I give everything I have to my job. If I have a little bit of energy left over. I can mm-hmm. watch some TV and have dinner. And then I got to get up the next day and do it all again. Yeah. And sometimes that's honorable because we're doing that in order to support the people we care about, ourselves and others. So sometimes that's that's what we got. That's what we do. But I will say everything you can do that goes beyond that, uh, that says, you know, here's what I here's what I do for other people. Here's how I Here's how I show up for the people who matter most. Here's how I make time to go to the ball game or have the dinner or remember the birthday. You know, those things. You're going to finish this life. And believe me, before you finish this life, you're going to be finished with your job. And about seven minutes after you leave your job, they're not even going to remember you worked there. And that's not a bad thing. But I'm just saying that's the way it is. Life moves on. Companies move on. But the people in your life are there forever. And they're the ones that are going to be there with you when all that other stuff is gone. So if you live your whole life, you never make a minute for, all, for investing in those other relationships. I think you're going to end up regretting, regretting, regretting that very deeply. And then last of all, and you tell me if we're out of time, is um, um, I'm not, a, 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 I'm, I'm not a, an athlete by any stretch of anybody's imagination. Never. <laughs> but I have really learned that if I take care of my physical health, Everything else is an impossible. And if I my physical health crumbles, nothing is possible. I got this now. So yes, I'm really careful about what I eat. Yes, I work out four times a week, but I'm not crazy about it. You know, and, and I, I enjoy a pizza and a beer just like anybody else does. But I'm really paying attention because I realize now my ability to work another 10 years, which is, I hope, what I get the chance to do in the world, um, is is almost exclusively dependent on my having the physical capacity to be able to do it. So I'm not trying to be a health nut kind of guy. You know, I'm just saying think of it like a business person. If you had an expensive piece of equipment, would you never change the oil? Would you never tune it up? Would you never Clean the pistons. I mean, <laughs> no. You, if you had a classic car, you'd baby it like it was a child, probably. right? right. Well, what about your body? And your body worth as much as a car, you know? Um, but I, I'm again, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying I know a whole lot of people that pay way more attention to their car than they do to their health. Oh,
1: and, absolutely. And,
0: yeah. If that health breaks down, it's gone, man. You know. So, so those three things are things that I work on really hard: purpose and people. And then uh, physical. They so all start with P, but physical cap- capacity. Those are the three things I put a lot of energy into. And uh, and if anybody's interested, I have this little handout about my whole seven part system that I use to be doing CrossFit at 68 years old. Uh, uh, people are intrigued by that, Lee, because that's yeah, so.
1: Yeah, send that to me. I'll put that in the show notes and also put it on my LinkedIn post. Uh, really quick, uh, in the last few minutes, I always get recommendations on books. Uh, these oh, are yeah. two. I always recommend me. That's why I have them here. One's yours. I've read them both. The other one's uh, it's Your Ship. You got a a book other than 40X?
0: I do. In fact, Lee, tell me, uh, and I should have cleared this with you before. I have a second little PDF of the 16 books that have impacted my life the most. I've read more than 1,000 books in my life. And if you Mm -hmm. want that, I'll send that, and your readers could, in 30 seconds, you got all 16 of the books that, that helped to shape me. Now, I'm not saying that's the gold standard, Maybe they're, you know, but maybe that'd be helpful. But but two books I really recommend all the time. And one of them is the finest leadership. One of them is the most impactful book I've ever read in my life is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. And every time I say it, people roll their eyes now because they're like, oh yeah, that's so yesterday. Man, that just tells me you hadn't read it because I mm-hmm. read it every year. And every year I find a page I never saw before or I understand it in a way. So The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People the most influential book on my life outside of any sort of spiritual uh, writing. Second, okay. the best leadership book I have ever read in my life is Leadership from the Inside Out by Kevin Cashman. And, and I'm not bragging now, but I'm not kidding either. I, I stopped keeping a list of the books I'd read when I got to a thousand. I just got tired of the list. But so I'm way past a thousand books now. And that book is the best leadership book I've ever read. Leadership from the Inside Out by Kevin Cashman, who, by the way, happens to be the CEO of a really huge company. I probably don't have permission to say the name, but but he he's a legit person who's not only written about it. He's actually done it. The, the kind of guy you and I really respect.
1: I've never it's heard of that book. It's a fabulous
0: book. And, it, and every time I recommend it, people say I've never heard of that book. And I just like, how can this be true? You know, it's the greatest leadership book I've ever read in my life. Um, and then I have a final book, which is a little bit of a different recommendation, if you don't mind it. Uh, um, I should have cleared all this with you up front. I would have if I'd no. been thinking about it. But I have a book called The Alchemist, which is okay. a story. I, this book is so powerful in my life that my sweetheart gave me a leather bound signed copy of this because hmm. I have given away about 100 copies of this book. But it's called The Alchemist. And it's yep. by Paulo Coelho, it's not a hard book to find, it's the best-selling um, uh, fiction book of its category in the history of the world. 68 million copies of this book have been sold. But, but for your leaders, who for your listeners who are very practical people, this is a fable now. So it's a way of absorbing some truths by reading the fictional story of something that happened. So that okay. that one is kind of unusual in my list of three recommendations, but it's I I I say with great truth I've given away more than a hundred copies of that book in my life. It's a powerful book, and and again every time you read it you'll say this was not in here the last time I read this. You know it's that kind of book. So those three that's a lovely collection, because those three books couldn't be more different than anything. Okay.
1: I've the- <laughs> read those three books, so I've I've read several hundred, and maybe maybe three four hundred by now, but. Let me add yeah, those to my list.
0: Please Thanks. do, man. And I'll send you that list of the okay. 16 books that have impacted me most, and I'll send you what I call my perfect day playbook, my my set of practices for uh, nutrition and exercise and breathing and things that I do to keep my capacity high. Yeah, we'll, we'll make those two gifts you can give all your folks if you want.
1: Before you jump off, well, what's your one leadership secret? And by that, I mean what's one thing that very few leaders are doing but everyone should be doing?
0: Wow. You know, I saw this, you sent me this question in the preparation work and I know what my answer to that question is. And, and I'm going to be really, you know, as authentic as I hope I've been for 45 minutes of, uh, I'm a little bit scared to tell you this answer because I'm afraid people won't value the answer or they won't think it's meaningful. I don't know, but I'm still going to say it. Um, um, The one thing that I have done in my life I do it better today than I did years ago, but I've done it consistently, is I, I genuinely love the people who work for me. I just love them. That's all I can say. And, and I'm not trying to impose a, a system of belief on your listeners at all. I'm just saying love is the most powerful force on earth. And if I can become a leader who finds a way, and, and Lee, it's okay, isn't it, to say some people are easier to love than others. But if I can be a leader who makes every one of those people feel that even though I hold them accountable, I still care about them. I still love them. I want them to be successful. If I can lead from that place, I think I can be a leader who really makes a difference in the world, not only in the performance of our team, but who makes a difference maybe in that person's life going forward. Um, so that's my that's my secret. And I realize that's not what you hear every single day from.
1: No, actually, my last guest said the same thing. Katrina. There, Bezerra, really? like, yeah. she's a huge love. Yeah.
0: It's huge love. Big love for everybody. Right. And, and thank goodness. Now, you know, we've we've reached a place in our in our evolution where that makes more tangible sense to a leader than it, five right. years ago. If I'd said that people would roll their eyes and say, come on, Jim, we got work to get done. You know, now we, now we're starting to understand what a powerful force love can be. Uh, So there you have it. it. It's controversial.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, I totally agree with that answer for sure. Jim, where can people find you?
0: Yeah. uh, This couldn't be easier. Uh, My name is Jim Hewling and you just do jimhewling.com. So it's J-I-M-H-U-L-I-N-G, jimhewling.com. And that will take you to my website where you can see all of my programs um, you know, everything that, I, that I've, I've got out there and leave, if you don't mind one last comment, every single day of my life, I post a, what I hope is a meaningful thought on three social media platforms, social uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. By the way, it's the same post. So if you see it one place, don't go looking for it in another. It's the same thing. But it's just Jim Hewling, J-I-M-H-U-L-I-N-G, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram every day the last 283 days I have posted consistently without missing a day, something I felt was valuable. So I'm, I'm sort of trying to give what I know out to the world a tablespoon at a time through those posts. And so anybody who's, who's found what I said today to be of interest or value, welcome to go there and you'll get a tablespoonful every single morning of your life. Uh, and I hope you find that valuable as well.
1: Yeah, I can testify, those are very valuable. Ever since I've been falling, I guess the last you know 280 something days, uh, I I'm on there every day, so those are good little
0: posts. how we became friends, isn't it? Uh, just through that. So. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Hey, well, thank thanks you for
1: being for my that. friend, Jim. I know you got to go. Uh, go ahead. You got something else?
0: Well, I only just wanted to say the same thing you were saying. Thank you. I, I'm really yeah. honored to be on this podcast. This is the No BS podcast. <laughs> uh, and that's refreshing, you know, I mean, you're doing something that matters in the world and and everything that everything that is great today was small yesterday, you know, from small beginnings come great outcomes. That's what you're doing. So I just encourage you to keep the faith, believe in what you're doing, believe in whatever, whatever impulse made you want to do all this on top of your, I'm sure, demanding day job. Mm-hmm. Um, stay with it. Believe in it. And that's a calling that you've got. And, uh, and I'm that. just honored to have been a little bitty part of the great story of your life, brother. Well,
1: you've been a huge part of it. I mean, that, that message you shared today, you dropped a lot of bombs there, and I appreciate it.
0: Thank you, sir. You're
1: All welcome. Right. Now, well, let's I catch up sometime in the future.
0: Yeah, let's do Don't it. If let I... our
1: friendship yeah. die here.
0: Yeah, when, when everybody's <laughs> gotten past everything i said so far, call me back, and we'll we'll have another conversation see if that uh, adds another chapter to our friendship.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank All you, right, Jim. Take care. Good day,
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Secrets Podcast. Please join us next time as we bring you more leadership secrets from the people who are actually doing it. See you soon.